So, episode 10, season finale of the Around the Table podcast. So, so, so excited to be with Mr. Jesse. Um, little backstory, and I'll let you talk about yourself just in a second, but you, you don't know this, but when I had first started going to Portico Young Adults, yeah. and I started, I think it was around July, August, and Colin was there, yeah. and I was really starting to warm up to Colin at the beginning, because I was yeah. like, oh, he's a cool guy, like, he's got tattoos, funny guy <laughs> type thing, yeah. and then... And then, like, within week three or week four, I'm hearing that he's leaving. Like, he announces he's leaving. And I was like, man, I was so, like, devastated. I'm like, just started coming here. Like, I like the atmosphere. I'm just getting, like, back into church for the first time. And, like, now everybody's moving. And Jonathan's like, nah, nah, there's this guy, Jesse, coming. Like, he's a cool guy type thing. I'm like, bro, don't tell me that. I'm not even trying to hear, I'm not even trying to hear that. Like, there's, there's no way. And then you come in over time. And then, you know, we start to talk. And we start to talking. I see a lot of the similarities. And I see a lot of like you and me and vice versa which is why i was so excited to have this so i guess we might as well just start there like what do you yeah. do like how did you what do you do and how did you actually come to get that role because it's almost like divine timing the timing that yeah. you came and the timing that i started coming to portico definitely yeah mm-hmm. definitely well first of all i'm really glad to be here appreciate you appreciate mm-hmm. what you're doing here um so my a little bit of background information as to how i became the young adults pastor is that i was actually working at portico mm-hmm. um prior to that and i was doing um, online, mm-hmm. and then I was also prior to that I was working at the Milton campus. Okay. Um, and so, I now a little bit of background information. This is it's crazy. Sometimes mm-hmm. there are things that people do when they're five years old that yeah. you know are kind of like they kind of pass, right? Yeah. It's like they just do. It's like a little fad that they do or whatever, right? That mm-hmm. kind of passes. Um, and so, but sometimes it actually sticks to them. And so for me. I grew up in a, uh, I grew up to a mom and dad who were both pastors. Okay. And so, um, as a five year old, mm-hmm. so this would have been in the early years of like when they actually gave their lives over to, to Christ and stuff and they mm-hmm. started following uh, him passionately, mm-hmm. started leading, is that stuff was rubbing off on me. So I'd mm-hmm. go to church, I'd see the, 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 the pastor preach. Yeah. And I'd come home and I like recite his sermons. Really? Yeah. Five year old is walking around with the Bible thinking he knows everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Jeez. so it's funny because I go back to sometimes those footages mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, that's so weird that I'd be here right now. And so, long story short, um, for me, when that happened when I was five, mm-hmm. um, obviously you get a little bit older, I stopped doing that stuff. Yeah. But then it was actually 16 was when I actually got a hold of, like, I felt like it was like a life-changing experience that happened mm-hmm. um, in my in my dad's church um, where I experienced God. And then so from that point onwards, it was like I was being brought back to when I was a five-year-old kid mm-hmm. doing all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm meant to do this. Yeah. Maybe this is what I'm supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so, um, yeah, and then so I started working at, so now a little bit, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm taking you through oh, like, no, so we'll, many we'll, different we'll, periods We'll, we'll start, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go back to the beginning. But um, with Portico, actually with Portico, uh, I was teaching prior to that. Okay. And so um, I started working with Portico because of a, a good friend of mine who was working at the church, his name was Daniel Clark. Okay. Um, and so we used to kind of like just be leaders mm-hmm. at their young adults. Okay. At Portico. Mm-hmm. And uh, we enjoyed it. Like, we enjoyed doing that there. Mm-hmm. Now, prior to that, we were at a church where we were doing that as well. So we wanted to kind of come along with what Portico, what was happening there. Mm-hmm. And so he was being relocated to Milton to lead the Milton campus there. Yeah. And so Kamal and I, we felt that, well, we should probably go there as well. We wanted to go there as well. We, yeah. we loved them as a couple. And um, we just felt that that's where God was leading us. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then it turned out that... Um, Oh my gosh. So it turned out that, so while we were there helping them out, yeah. um, I was lined up to teach phys ed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it would have been, no, it would have been a uh, grade seven and eight phys ed. Yeah. The sweetest gig. Yeah. It was going to be, it was going to be so nice. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. Went in for the interview, got the job. Um, that summer, I'm getting ready. This right? is a school in Mississauga or in Milton? This is in, this is in Hamilton. Hamilton, okay, okay. So I'm getting ready to teach phys ed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it turns out that... So to, 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 in order to stay on the board, you need a couple of things. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so one of the forms that I didn't fill out was an offense declaration form that pretty much says mm-hmm. that you're not a criminal. Yeah. And so really all it was is just a check mark. Mm-hmm. That's all I had to do. Yeah. To submit. And so that was the one form that I didn't submit. Mm-hmm. And that one form mm-hmm. was actually what got me kicked out of the board, like off of the board. Mm. Because, and the only way I found out is because I tried to access my emails and I couldn't. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, like, like what's going like on? Like you didn't know beforehand that you had to do this? I did, but like, it was like, I don't know where I mean, my mind was. Yeah. I, for some reason, I just missed it, right? Mm-hmm. I just missed that I was supposed to do this. Yeah. Um, and so this job lined up. I'm like, oh, like now I'm panicking because mm-hmm. like it's three three weeks away from me actually starting in this role. Yeah. Um, and so they couldn't do anything. They said, well, you're going to have to appeal. Like, you're going to have to um, wait. There's a long process. I was like, but I got a job starting up. Yeah. Like, sorry, we can't do anything about it. So mm-hmm. that's how I got a really good gig mm-hmm. that I ended up losing. Jeez. And so that was a mo- moment where I was just like, man, like, what is going on? Yeah. And so long story short, that October, I actually started working for Portico. As a result. So well, it wasn't a result of uh-huh. that, but it felt like that was kind of like the direction as to where, mm-hmm. how things worked out. And I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess this was kind of a blessing in disguise. Maybe I was meant to be here. Yeah. Um, and so, and then Colin leaving, yeah, and I took over Young Adults, which was really cool. Getting to know everybody there yeah. and stuff. But I knew some of the people there before, which, mm-hmm. was, which is good, but. So yeah, let's start, let's start from the beginning. Where okay. are you from? Where are your parents from? Give me a little background on who you are. Sure. Uh, so I was born in the Middle East, mm-hmm. a country called Bahrain. Mm-hmm. My dad's from Uganda. My mom's from India. And so um, my family had lived in Bahrain for 10 years. I was born there. My sister was born there. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to Canada in 94. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that we ended up there was because... So so I'm going to give you the full... Yeah, yeah. Give us, give us, give exactly us the full picture. There. Why, uh-huh. why did these... Um, kids end up in Bahrain in the Middle East. So, mm-hmm. um, my dad from Uganda, he went to India to study. Yeah. He met my mom there. Mm-hmm. And so, um, they really hit it off and, um, they moved, they got married, they moved, they got married in India, they moved to Uganda Yeah. and they had two kids there. Mm-hmm. So my older siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, mm-hmm. my dad, I think may have left out some important Details? Uh, details as uh-huh. to what was going on, like the political climate in Uganda. Yeah. And so if uh, anyone watching here, a little unaware as to what was going on, it was mm-hmm. in the 80s. It was run by a dictator named Idi Amin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of hit close to home because mm-hmm. my uncle, my dad's brother, was actually mm-hmm. um, in close proximity to him because mm-hmm. of um, just, he would just work with him. Yeah. And so that kind of affected... Um, just the entire dynamics of what was going on there. Yeah. So it kind of hit it hit home. Mm-hmm. And so my mom, at the time, she's like, let me try to get the family over to India. Mm-hmm. So she went back to India. She couldn't do it. While she was in India, a friend of hers said, listen, there's a really nice job mm-hmm. in Bahrain. You could probably go over there and then get the family to leave Uganda mm-hmm. in Bahrain. All right? So yeah. she goes to Bahrain. The job that her friend was talking about uh-huh. was actually human trafficking. It was a human trafficking job. Yeah. And so she's there uh-huh. and she's like, whoa, she realizes what's going on. Yeah. And so she escapes. Like she actually leaves um, before they even like the job even went through. She leaves in like the middle of the night mm-hmm. and she stumbles across a Catholic church. They were having an event mm-hmm. taking place at the church mm-hmm. and they're like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Like, because mm-hmm. she was just in this whole, like, panic frenzy. And so she tells them, everything's going on while I was in India. Mm-hmm. Um, I came here as a jo- on a job. Mm-hmm. Turns out this is what the job is. Mm-hmm. My husband and my kids are in Uganda. Still. And this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is a span of, like, maybe a year or so. Mm-hmm. A year and a half. Right? Um, and at this time, she had been separated from uh, my siblings. Mm-hmm. And so they were like wow, like, okay, well, let's, here, you can sleep here tonight, mm-hmm. um, but let's try to look for ways that we can get the family over. Mm-hmm. And so, long story short, they actually ended up doing that. Jeez. They got the family over. Yeah. Um, and and then, a couple years later, I was I was born. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so, that's, that's a little Jeez. bit of a nutshell as to why I ended up there and why my family ended up there. Jeez. Yeah. So, I'm wondering because in today's <laughs> climate, you don't see... 
blacks and Indians together mm-hmm. very often. So I'm wondering yeah. at the time, especially because you said he met her in India. Yeah. So that's more difficult turf, I would very think, difficult. to marry. And and so even more difficult because so the part of where my mom was from, the part of India. Mm-hmm. So my mom's Anglo-Indian. Okay. And so um, shout out to all my Anglo-Indian people watching here. Don't. <laughs> Don't send me messages. This is not a shot on you, but uh-huh, yeah, let's Anglo talk about Indians, it. Anglo Indians are, um, they are very so Anglo Indians are uh-huh. very, very colonized by the British. Yeah, and so a lot of them gloat on the fairness of their skin. Okay, right. Yeah. And so they look at the rest of India like we're a little bit more superior to you. They don't uh-huh. say it. Yeah. Sometimes they might, but they don't say it. But that's kind of it's the, like light skins and the. That's what it is. You got it. There you yeah. go. <laughs> so the fact that she not like not only did she she got with someone that was because my dad was dark. Mm-hmm. Like oh, he, Ugandans he's Ugandan, are... but he's also got Sudanese blood in him, so he mm, was dark. Okay. And so the fact that they fell in love and the fact that they got together uh-huh. was like, and so he heard it all. Like it yeah. was, and at the time it was rare, right? And Very, so yeah. The family was accepting, mm-hmm. but the family was still like, he's the first black guy in the family yeah so it was like would we like uh-huh. can, I, can i touch your hair like, yeah you know, like, right like, yeah we know those figure words. out oh what that looks yeah. like right and then so when my dad it's funny because when my dad took my mom to india they were mm-hmm. like wow, like she's she's fair like she's a very fair-skinned mm-hmm. person so they had also that type of so it was literally day and night yeah each other, bro. like it was <laughs> it was it was hilarious from from the stories that they've 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 told so uh-huh. and what was that like religious disparity like like did she practice a certain religion no. in India and did he practice a certain religion in Uganda I always I always said my mom was a little bit of a fake Indian so my dad actually uh-huh. knew Hindi he knew more of really he knew Hindi Jeez. more than my mom actually knew some of the words uh-huh. and so he would often he embraced the culture mm-hmm. um, my mom was because. She, Anglo Indians are mostly like Catholics. Okay. So they weren't. She wasn't really that happy into like say um, like Hinduism, for example. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my dad, he actually, my dad was actually an atheist. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he was, but he was, he wasn't a passive one. Like you know, uh-huh. some people are like yeah, they're passive atheists yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he was like an actually, he was a very proactive one. Like he would okay. actually write it on his dorm room that like God's mm-hmm. dad and mm-hmm. like he would go out of his way to kind of take jabs at yeah. people who, right, uh-huh. believe that there was a God kind of thing, right? Uh-huh. And so um, he became a Christian shortly after that. But, um, yeah, like, I think in terms of, like, the culture was the biggest one for mm-hmm. both of them. I think that was the Definitely. biggest, like, whoa. Like, <laughs> because, I mean, it's, it still is now. Like, you see oh, yeah. it in Canada. I feel like because you have a lot of, especially, like, in the GTA, you have a lot of, immigrants coming into the GTA, whether yeah. it be like Jamaican, Indians. Yeah. I know Malton, where I'm from, is a lot of blacks and Indians. And you yeah. see that disparity more so between, say, the first generation that's come over than the second because yeah. they've grown up in that environment. Oh, where absolutely. You know, you're coming from India. You only grew up with Indians or Africa. You only grew up with people from your country and you come to the West and it's like, yeah. my kid's going to school with people from Italy, yeah. from India, from Pakistan and all these different places. So that's, I, I find that very interesting. But because at the beginning you said... That your parents are pastors, and at the yeah. beginning, one is atheist and one is one like passive, yeah, so like Catholic. So how does that? How does that happen? <laughs> so before we get that, one interesting fact that I should drop into that uh-huh. was while we were in Bahrain, I went to a school that was predominantly Indian, and so we mm. were around a lot of Indian-speaking people. Okay. Um, and so picture this: you got a group of kids at the time it would have been me, my older siblings, my sister was still young, mm-hmm. and we all had these massive afros. Yeah. <laughs> but we also had an Indian accent. You had an Indian accent. A strong one. You know how messed up. I that can't was? see. That. Yeah, I can't see that. Absolutely. Uh, you have the head shape. I got the. I got the footy, uh, <laughs> ooh, I. You know what? I gotta yeah. go back. I gotta go back into the old archives. I wouldn't be surprised. But we had a strong Indian accent. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah, big uh-huh. time. Big time. So, um, but back to your question, you said how did they become pastors from like they where they started? Pastors? Oh my god. Yeah. So, um, one. So, my mom is in Bahrain trying to figure all that, getting the family over. Mm-hmm. While she's in Bahrain, my dad's having his own episode with the two kids. Because right? he's with still in brother. Uganda. He's still in Uganda. Okay. And so he had a. There was a pastor in his village mm-hmm. that was kind of like the pastor to everyone. Okay. He's still alive. This guy's like 
original OG. OG. This guy was like hardcore into Christianity because mm-hmm. people were targeting him. I'm talking about like mm-hmm. witch doctors targeting him. He had mm-hmm. been poisoned like three times. Like he Jeez. was a, he was an intense yeah. He was an intense Christian. Like yeah. and so my dad obviously he would go to church with the family, they would hear um some of these messages and so where he was going, like what was happening in his life, he was around like in his late twenties, um, close to thirties. He was going through this moment. Okay, where he's in a war situation, mm-hmm. and it's like, God, if you're real, if you're ever gonna be real, yeah, you have to. Today is the day. Yeah. And so, um, there was an intense um, scenario that he had kind of uh, described to us mm-hmm. um, that soldiers were pretty much passing through every house. Mm-hmm. They were raping women. They were killing people. You heard the, the gunshots. You heard the violence. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole bunch of stuff taking place. And so he was with his kids mm-hmm. this one day. He was with his kids underneath this their bed, and they were hiding. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to keep them. That's the, your siblings. This is my sibling, mm-hmm. yeah. And so he's trying to keep them um, quiet so that the soldiers don't come into the house. Yeah. And so while he's going through this, he's like, like God, like, like protect my family. Mm-hmm. Right, the God that he didn't believe in, protect yeah. my family, right? Um, and so the way he described it was the soldiers pretty much went through every single house and it passed their house, and so that fe- so they were actually untouched from what could have been really bad. Mm-hmm. And they day. heard the screams of they all heard the screams, they're hearing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I'm gonna start to take this to. Uh, I'm gonna see how like, I'm gonna see what this looks like because yeah. this is like this. There's got to be something more to this, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so he started his journey of faith. Mm-hmm. And so he started his journey of faith at the time. My mom was a very devoted Catholic, mm-hmm. um, and so um, they kind of had talked to. So he was new Christian. She was a Catholic. Yeah. Um, and while we were in Bar, so like post. Civil War in Uganda, they're now in Uga- they're now in Bahrain, and mm-hmm. Bahrain was kind of like a way for them to be like, okay, we can take a, we can focus in on our our careers and our yeah. life, our family. Um, we can uh, take a deep breath, mm-hmm. and we can actually start to explore this faith a little bit more. And so yeah. at the time, there was a uh, guy that lived above the apartment that would. Um, so what he would do is he would get tons of he was. In, he was, I think he was Sri Lankan, I can't remember, but mm-hmm. he would get tons of Christian material mm-hmm. and he would actually take it over to uh, remote places and villages in Sri Lanka Jeez. and give people, like, that people that want to know more about God, he would mm-hmm. give them these resources. So VHS tapes yeah. of, like, just pastors and teachings and stuff about the Bible. Yeah. And so he lived just right above our apartment. And so he would do the same thing with um, my dad and my mom. Mm-hmm. And so, and then they started joining a church. They got really connected there. Mm-hmm. And then long story short, they were uh, serving at the church. Um, my dad was, by the time we left Uganda, oh, sorry, um, Bahrain mm-hmm. in 95, my dad was preaching Jeez. there at the church. And then when they came here, it was more along the lines of like, okay, let's, how can we focus in on, mm-hmm. um, you know, continuing with that passion and building a church and stuff. So, mm-hmm. Jeez. And you had said, you had mentioned at one of your talks at YA that your family has been through two civil wars. Yeah. So, well, Uganda is the first one. So, <laughs> so it's interesting. So at this, so the second one was actually the Gulf War. Okay. And so at this time it was a little bit different because now they have their faith that they can lean on. And mm-hmm. so we weren't really heavily involved. We mm-hmm. were just so in the mid like around in the nineties when the sorry it would have been the early nineties when mm-hmm. the civil war was taking place. Oh, sorry. Um, the Gulf War was taking place between Iraq and Iran. Yeah. Bahrain's so like right there in the mid- in the middle. Yeah. Right? And so uh, my mom at the time worked for the American Embassy. And so they provided oh, us with... Um, and so there's actually a picture of me as a kid in this mm-hmm. gas mask and stuff like that. And yeah. they provided the family with gas masks and stuff. And so um, we were in between that. And so any wrong move could have literally mm-hmm. just wiped out um, our area and our region. Mm-hmm. Because... Stuff was just flying over us. Jeez. And so um, that was another moment of like for my parents where they were like, okay, well, mm-hmm. we went through this, um, you know, with in, in Uganda, and now we're kind of in the middle of this now. Mm-hmm. And stuff. I was a kid at the time. I was yeah. Like, How old are you? Roughly? I was so this would have been around ninety two. I was around like maybe two, two and a two? half. Two. Okay. So like, I don't remember as much. I just I'm just going based off. But the Indian accent you remember? Stuff. Oh, the Indian accent. <laughs> really strong. And why Canada out of all countries? Canada, it was either Canada or Australia. Okay. 
and um, we got the um, they got accepted into Canada. So we're like, all right, let's let's go to Canada. Mm-hmm. And so um, and plus a lot of people had talked about how you know Canada's a nice place, mm-hmm. and Canada's this. It's cold. Yeah, it's a nice place. Yeah, right. And so um, yeah, we came to Canada. All four kids uh, and my parents. We all had afros. My sister was a little baby at the time. She had a little afro. And we mm-hmm. all had thick Indian accents. Jeez. And you I moved to... Fine. We moved straight to Mississauga. Straight to Mississauga. Okay. Yeah. So you started in Mississauga. I started So you're a Saga kid at heart. Uh, oh, you hear that? I lived in a place called Rochecourt, Sheridan, near Sheridan Mall. Sheridan Mall. So Where that is that? Sheridan Mall. Well, it's being rebuilt right now. Uh-huh. It's right off of the QW, off of Aramos Parkway. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So you started off there. Rochecourt was, t- was rough back then. Okay, so... I don't know if it is right now, but Rochecourt was, you put sticky paper up, yeah. you find cockroaches, you find a mouse, you yeah. find all kinds of stuff. <laughs> that was a hidden treasure, man. You wake up in the morning, you're like, what are we going to find? Yeah. That's what it was. Jeez, okay. So are you guys in an apartment? Or are you in a house? We're in an apartment. You're in an apartment? So there's five of you? There was six of us. Six of us. Yeah. And how many like six bedrooms six no 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 no, no. i wish uh it was like we found a three bedroom three bedroom okay so um at the time my sister was a baby so she would she was she was in uh my 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 parents room mm-hmm. my older sister she had her own room mm-hmm. um when my brother was still cheese that <laughs> my brother and i we shared a room okay yeah okay that's lovely. just yeah yeah so between me and my brother is seven years mm-hmm. apart but we just, we would hang out. We would just, we would, yeah. Yeah, he, Fun he made, made, it work, made it work. Made it work. Made it work. Similar situation yeah. to me when we moved apartment building in Malton. I think I shared a room with my brother. My sister shared a room because four siblings, two parents. Yeah. So house, house okay. of six. There so same go. thing. So I, I know exactly how it goes. There you go. I want to take you to the, to, to the pastor's kids because this is a very interesting Jeez. top. Yeah, uh, they were going there. Wow. So <laughs> I have, I, I have a, uh, well, I have a couple friends, like Debbie, for instance, yeah. pastor's kids. I have another friend named Josh. His dad is a pastor and okay. these kind of things. And, you know, I don't know why this is the case. I wouldn't, maybe I would understand more if I was in that position. But, mm. like, pastor's kids never want to be pastors. No, not at all. But you're a pastor. Yeah. So, ironic. what happened? I try to run from this thing. Oh, okay. So, but, talk about that. So, um, yeah, you're right. Pastor's kids never want to be pastors for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it is, it's a combination of stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. the parents are pretty much, um, in a, they're usually in a public space mm-hmm. and they're helping and serving other people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, sometimes it's, it's exhausting. It's draining for a lot of pastors. And mm-hmm. so pastors, kids at times, usually they take the, uh, the hit of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, depending on now everyone person is different. Like I know what happened in our family is mm-hmm. that, um, like, if you talk to, like, my siblings, mm-hmm. they were like, my brother was polar off. He's like, I wanted nothing to do with the, mm-hmm. the church. I yeah. wanted nothing to do with this lifestyle that we got going on here mm-hmm. because it was a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, for me, what was, so my moment of, I was going down that path where I wanted nothing to do with the church as well. Mm-hmm. And then when I was 16 years old, mm-hmm. um, I experienced um, God's presence. Mm-hmm. Don't know how else to explain it. It was a very supernatural, mm-hmm. supernatural, so, outside so before, of my control. Before experience. you go there, what was happening okay. before 16 that made you not want to be... I just... Okay, so before, I was just like... Like, to me, it was just religion. I didn't mm-hmm. want to do it, right? Um, mm-hmm. My parents did that. and then, Plus, there was like a lot of... Um, there was different restrictions, mm-hmm. right? In terms of like how we have to carry ourselves. Mm-hmm. And even though it was unspoken, it was kind of still there. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, it was a lifestyle I was trying to get away from. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I just didn't, it's not like, sorry, I shouldn't say that I was like, I hate it. Like, yeah. It's not that I hated it. I just didn't want, like, I just didn't want that for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, plus at the time you're 15, so there's so much stuff that's more. And you're, I'm assuming your like middle school friends, your elementary high school friends are doing one thing and then yeah. your parents are saying, no, we can't do that. You Absolutely. have to do a different thing and you don't know why. Absolutely. Uh-huh. I have to sneak out to parties. I have to uh, sneak okay, out to parties. I was like, man, how uh-huh. can I, what is the excuse I can come up with mm-hmm. that can kind of, yeah. you know? Oh, we know. And so it was, yeah, like it was, I just didn't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like it just didn't, it wasn't appealing to me. It was just, it was just boring. Mm-hmm. Like, straight up, it was just boring. Um, and so, um, yeah, like, that's what our church experience was like. I mean, that's what my church 
in terms of like when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm also in this rebellious stage too. Right? Yeah. And so uh, I think it was a combination of that. Yeah. And you said your older brother wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. My old, my, yeah, he, from, from, from the get-go, he's like, yep, not doing that. Yeah. I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he was a little bit more, um, he was a little bit more like outspoken when it came to that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it was, it was a tough time too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you gotta like, I always, I always think back at my brother, like my brother coming to the country versus me coming to the country. Mm-hmm. So I'm a five-year-old kid with an Indian accent. Mm-hmm. This dude's a grade eight yeah. coming in with an Indian accent. And like, he's not, doesn't look oh Indian. Oh my gosh. So they're like, already as it is, my parents, they're trying to figure out the, mm-hmm. what Canada's all about. They're trying to figure out the culture. Yeah. Um, there's so many things that they don't even know of. Mm-hmm. Um, my sit like my siblings, they're trying to figure out some stuff. And so I guess with him, where my brother was at, is was like, look, I don't have time for church. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out where my place is with all of, you know, with, yeah. you know, trying to socialize and, you know, through, through high school and stuff. And mm-hmm. so I think that was a little bit of a combination as to where he was at. Mm-hmm. And then 16. So you say 16. That's the big 16, year for you. 16 was a big, yeah. December, I remember it to this day, December 23rd, 2005. Mm-hmm. Y'all can do the math as to how old I am right now. <laughs> um, 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, it happened at, I had always seen people go up for prayer mm-hmm. in my parents' church. The funny thing is I didn't even hear the message. I never listened to yeah. it. I never, I would just be in the back. Right? Yeah. Um, and so I told myself, I was like, you know what? Two days away from Christmas. Mm-hmm. Let me go up for a, like a blessing. Was there was anything else going on that like provoked you to that decision or was it just one no. of those random? Well, oh, I will say this. Oh. I will say this. So that happened December I was, um, so our youth leader at my dad's church at the time took a bunch of us mm-hmm. to this conference and it was called High Energy. It was a youth okay. conference. And so I went to this youth conference and mm-hmm. I was in the back and I was like, and I, I grew up in this, right? Yeah. So I'm in the back and I'm watching all these kids like just get super like static over this, right? Yeah. Hands yeah. Oh, trust me. All that stuff. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let me, like, let me go up there. Like, let me walk up and, mm-hmm. you know. I'll join them. I'm not going to be back here, right? Just yeah, like just hands so off. I went up there, and so there was this one song called Our God is an Awesome God. So I'm mm-hmm. like, let me do this, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm seeing everyone doing this. Let me do this. And, yo, it was so weird. I don't know why I started, like, a tear went down my eye. And I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. This is weird. Like, why am I crying? Yeah. This is weird. And I was like, okay, slap out of it. Like, slap out of yeah, it, right? Yeah. Um, and so that happened, but I kind of, like, skimmed over that that even happened. Mm-hmm. It was just always like a, hmm. That was weird. Yeah. I didn't make myself cry. I don't know why I started it. Mm-hmm. Why it happened. And then, so that was kind of a, I feel like that was kind of a way of like a setup to what I would experience. Okay. December 23rd, 2005. Okay. So you go, you, you go for a blessing. Yeah. And I then... was like, let me, let me. <laughs> so I was like, let me go up for prayer. You mm-hmm. know, my dad would pray for people. I was like, let me go up there for prayer. Yeah. Um, don't know what the service was about. Didn't hear a message. Didn't mm-hmm. hear one word. Let me just go up there. And yeah. So I go up there. Um, and so I, it was crazy. I saw, so I, I walk up there and then out of nowhere, my, my legs start like shaking. Mm-hmm. Like it actually starts like, like, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? I'm like, oh, maybe I'm nervous. Yeah. I'm like, but there's no reason to be, I know these people. Mm-hmm. This is not like, right. And so I'm, oh, maybe I'm nervous and stuff. Um, and so. But then it keeps on going. Mm-hmm. And so it keeps on going through my legs and it keeps on going through my hands. Mm-hmm. And so at the time, I didn't have words for it to describe what it is. And later on, I actually was able to understand a little bit as to what that experience was. But mm-hmm. uh, long story short is um, I fall on the ground. Mm-hmm. And so it, I, I don't know for anyone watching it, maybe if you come from a Pentecostal or a, <laughs> a very, pretty charismatic church, mm-hmm. you've kind of seen this stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've seen this stuff happen. And in my mind, I was like, when my my body started to shake the weight shut. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to fall on the floor and look like an idiot. Yeah. You're not going to get me. You're not going to get me. Because you're 16, right? I'm 16. And I'm holding on to my pride. I'm yeah. holding on to my dignity. Yeah. I'm holding on to like, no, <laughs> you're not going to put me on the ground. Yeah. And I, this is not happening. Yeah. The thing is, the crazy thing is nobody was even like, like, it was just, nobody was even doing it. Nobody yeah. was even near me. Mm-hmm. I'm just up there. I'm just yeah. standing, right? And so long story short, I actually ended up on the ground and I was there for an hour and a half stuck on the ground. Um, and there's a, there's a clip to actually prove that that happened uh-huh. <laughs> to this day that was recorded. Somebody recorded me 
on the ground. An hour and a half. Hour and a half. And I was crying like I cried in that at that youth uh, conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, what the heck is going on? And I just felt like, at the time, I just felt like there was this like giant hand inside me just mm-hmm. cleaning me up. Um, and so I got up and I was like, whoa, that was weird. Mm-hmm. That was different. Um, how do I explain this? Yeah. Like, how do I explain this to my friends? How do mm-hmm. I talk to them about this? Yeah. Right? Um, and so that was grade 11. I remember from that point onwards, I was very curious to know as to what that experience was. Mm-hmm. And so as I would open the Bible, it was the first time I actually intentionally went out of my way to pick up the Bible and read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I started to read throughout the Bible, I started to discover that a lot of people had experienced a similar or had a similar encounter and I mm-hmm. talked to other people who had similar encounters and stuff. Um, and so my, it started off in a very unorthodox and a very, mm-hmm. I would say a lot, to a lot of people weird way. Yeah. Um, as to how that happened. And so mm-hmm. ever since then, I always think back to that time. My life hasn't been the same since. And then you go into pastoring right after? No, I, so, so I was 16. So from 16 to 18, I took, um, I got very passionate over, um, that experience. I got mm-hmm. very passionate over the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so I probably didn't go about this the right way, but I actually cut away from a lot of my friends in high school. In high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't mean to do it. It's just that because at the time where a lot of them were headed yeah. and where I knew I was headed, mm-hmm. I knew I had to make a change and how important do you think that is because that's a difficult decision i had to even man like at the time the the girl that i was dating saw Mm -hmm. that you know i was like this christian weird guy Mm -hmm. were you dating her when you had this experience sorry yeah okay so we broke up she broke up with me Uh uh-huh after that yeah well because it was just weird like i'm not like i we were just different yeah um and so i was trying to explain that to a lot of my friends at the time just like yeah you know guys um yeah i don't know if i want to come out there i don't know if i want to do that i don't know Mm -hmm. if i right and so I just ended up becoming this, like, oh, whatever. Like, you think you're too good or you're too mm-hmm. this, you're too that, yeah. right? And so, but then I knew that um, I had to make those decisions. And so for, from 16 to 18, mm-hmm. were two solid years of my life mm-hmm. where, I kid you not, I would literally leave school, mm-hmm. come home, mm-hmm. and I would go in my bedroom, mm-hmm. and I would read my Bible, and I would spend time in my bedroom at least... Six to ten hours, no word of an exact exaggeration. Six to ten hours, I just spent time mm-hmm. just reading the Bible, um, praying. Um, I even had to, like, it was a, a lot of the stuff was new to me. I didn't yeah. know how to pray, I didn't know where how to go about this. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, like, I would just spend that time just taking in, like, just reading the Bible and mm-hmm. trying to study the Bible. And I'd have a dictionary because prior to that, I used to be, um, I used to have, like, well. Would be considered a learning disability. Yeah. Um, and so, um, parents would hook me on phonics and stuff like that. So, oh, I used to throw back phonics. phonics. Oh, that's throwback. Jeez, you, I remember I that is. Yeah. Painful summers. <laughs> painful summers, bro. Painful summers. Yeah. Doing phonics uh-huh. and um, assignments and projects that my mom would assign for me, mm-hmm. um, which I hated at the time just because, like, I was just so bad at school. Yeah. Um, and so, when I became Christian, I would have my Bible, but then I'd also have, like, a dictionary, mm-hmm. and then I'd also have, like, this other study Bible that I borrowed from my dad, mm-hmm. and I'd be, like, highlighters and a pen. Is it, like, a King James version, and you're trying to... It was a King James, uh, New okay. King James version, okay. but still a little bit difficult, yeah. but still, it was New King James. Still a Tao and so I'm trying to figure out, yeah. all these words. I'm trying to figure out words, and I'm trying to figure out also, like, historical content, like, I'm trying to figure out all this because mm-hmm. I'm like yo this this has to be real yeah right like if this is this, this has to be real mm-hmm. right and so um, and so I went through that I don't even want to call it phase because I'm still at that place right now where mm-hmm. I still have a passion for it yeah but it was like very those two years were actually very helpful for me to do it, even though I cut away from my friends because mm-hmm. at the time my dad was actually sick mm, sick with he was sick with with cancer okay and so he and you learned this sorry at 16 16, 17, while I was going to my room, playing, yeah. I would come out and then I would kind of care for my dad with my mom. Okay. Um, and so he had been through two aneurysms at the time. What I didn't realize mm-hmm. was that what he was going through and the way he would actually, because he would pass away mm-hmm. when I was 18. So two years 
I would say 2007 is when he passed away. Mm -hmm. That actually prepared me for the way he died. And I can explain to you how okay. he died. Yeah, but it see. actually prepared me, like spending those two years, even mm -hmm. though it, set, it felt like a very radical, fanatic, yeah. I'm cutting the, the rest of the world out of my life and I'm just going to spend time going to school, coming home, eating, and then just spending time reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. Those two years actually prepared me to handle um, the trauma that would come from his mm -hmm. death. Jeez. So, so actually, before you get there, I want to go back to the severity of decision because, like, what you said you've done in high school, that is not an easy thing to do. And if we talk to high schoolers now, that is something a lot of them struggle with. So I'm wondering, yeah. what what is the decision making process like? Like, are you looking at like, if I stay with them, this is where I go, yeah. and if I don't, this is where I end up? Like, how what what are the alternatives for you as far as making these decisions? Because yeah. it's one thing to think about and say, yeah. I can say for years, man, I need to cut these people off or I need yeah. to a different way but actually having that conversation or doing it is completely yeah. different so Absolutely. how did you go about doing that so ready as it is i was already like i already knew that even when i would go to certain parties and i would be in certain spaces i mm -hmm. already knew that i was like oh, i shouldn't be i shouldn't be here yeah i should i already knew that i was just ignoring it mm -hmm. but when that moment happened i was like okay like you didn't just like this didn't just happen for your own personal gain like this mm -hmm. happened so that you could actually turn your life around mm -hmm. Um, and so that something good can come from, come out of it. It mm -hmm. wasn't easy because I got made fun of, and mm -hmm. I was with a, a group of people. We were all the popular kids. Yeah. We'd be the ones making fun of other people. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. when I was on the other side of the spectrum, where I was like the one that was actually the butt of the joke, mm -hmm. I was just like, man, like this is this is tough. Yeah. And so um, I had the I would say one of the things that helped my decision was I had I just say the privilege. I don't even know. Yeah. It, but I had the privilege of seeing other people go down a path that mm -hmm. I knew I was headed down. Okay. And so that kind of scared me. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I was like, I was able to kind of make that. Now, I tried to still maintain a lot of those relationships. Mm -hmm. You wanted to live, say, two yeah. different... Yeah. Uh... I tried to. And I remember this one time I went to a... Um, we used to have a, uh, a club opened up by um, in Oakville mm -hmm. called Rehab. Okay. And I went there. Rehab, that's the name of the club? That was the name of the club. I didn't want to see I'm dating myself. I don't even think it's still out there. So uh -huh. it, was close to, it was close to movie theater. At the time, the movie theater was AMC. It oh, was not geez. AMC anymore. Uh -huh. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like we, so I remember I went there, and I was like, I shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Like, I just felt like, I felt like throwing up. Yeah. I felt like I shouldn't be there. Um, now, I'm not saying any, everyone should be at that place, mm -hmm. um, but that's just where I was at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a couple of things that kind of made me feel like I have to make a very, like if I keep prolonging this, yeah. I'm not going to make the decision. So I have to just like cut it mm -hmm. cold turkey, Yeah. even though I didn't, I felt like I didn't do it the best way yeah. possible because some people kind of interpret it as like, oh, you just don't want to mm -hmm. be our friend or whatever. Right. But, um, I felt like for where my future was headed, I had to kind of take that radical it scared me enough to, to make a radical mm -hmm. um, decision. So how would you have done it now looking back? How would I have done yeah, it? Yeah, how would you have done um, it? See, that's the other thing. Is like, I don't know if I would have done it any other way. Okay. Because um, I feel like it's almost like um, like if someone's catch like if someone's on fire in this room, yeah. <laughs> God forbid, yeah. <laughs> but if someone caught on fire right now and they're uh -huh. yelling and they're screaming, you don't care where you're getting the water from. Mm -hmm. You're just dumping water on them. You mm -hmm. care less about the sneakers that they're wearing. You care less mm -hmm. about the clothes they're wearing. Mm -hmm. right? You can care less about the feelings because you're just trying to put the fire out. Yeah. That's what I would compare um, me putting the fire out mm -hmm. to. It's like, I don't know if I would have done it any other way because it was a sense of urgency mm -hmm. to put the fire out. Mm -hmm. And the sense of urgency was why I made the decision to say, hey, I can't hang out with you. I can't, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Right? And mm -hmm. so... Um, yeah, like, I think one thing I would have done is, so, going back to my experience, yeah. a lot of this stuff was new to me, so I didn't have language for it than I have left. Mm -hmm. Like, I have language for it now, I didn't know how to communicate it. Okay. And I didn't know how to actually explain it to what, what had actually happened. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I would just tell people straight up, like, I would be very blunt, I was very direct, very blunt, Yeah. Um, and I would just tell them straight up that, like, hey, man, what you're doing right now is mm -hmm. you're, uh, that's, that, that's gonna take you down a path where, mm -hmm. right, like, I would just straight up tell them that, and mm -hmm. so, a lot of people don't like hearing that, right? Oh, like, definitely, yeah, especially in high school, yeah, yeah. Like, hold up, who are you to talk to me that way, yeah. first of all? You ever got any fights for that? Yeah, oh, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. Surprisingly, I didn't, I'm shocked <laughs> that I didn't, man. Uh -huh. But, like, I would just tell people straight up, and so that came off. And now looking back, I'm like, yeah, that can come off a little arrogant. That mm -hmm. can come off a little like, you know, um, 
not considerate of where people are coming from and stuff. And so I would kind of just shoot for it and just go for it. Mm -hmm. And so if there's anything I would change, it would definitely be the way of how I communicated mm -hmm. um, as opposed to what I communicated. Mm -hmm. And then so, the girlfriend, because that's a tough thing or was a tough thing, I'm assuming. It was a tough Especially thing. Especially in high school. Like, yeah. you know, that you start a, dating girls, you, you already see like a future, I'm, as I'm assuming, you probably had already seen like a future with her. And then to kind of cut that off, or did you not? I kind of didn't. I, oh, okay. see, that's the crazy thing. Okay. Like, I didn't even consider future. Like I no. didn't consider like what it was gonna look like in the, the years to come. But mm -hmm. I knew I was like, oh yeah, like I knew that, like I liked her and yeah. she liked me, and you know it was um, it was a high school relationship, <laughs> and so there's a lot of lust involved. In that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Weird. Um, and so, but it just took a jab at my pride, man, because mm -hmm. like she broke up with me. Uh, so I was like, did you have, did, did you have to rewrite the story? Oh, I don't know, man. Like it was, it was tough not to. Mm -hmm. Like it was, she like like her breaking up with me. Mm -hmm. Even though I, it was probably wasn't. I'm, I'm like, it wasn't even a big deal. Yeah. To be honest with you, to like maybe coming from where she was coming yeah. from, but where I was coming from is that like it was almost a, it was almost like another indication that like, um. Saying yes to Jesus mm -hmm. will actually cost you, mm -hmm. like it costs you a lot of stuff, and it actually doesn't feel good. Like mm -hmm. there are moments where it does feel good, yeah. But making the tough decisions won't feel good, and you actually like I, I felt like a loser. I felt mm -hmm. like a straight up loser during that season of my mm -hmm. life, and so that was the I think more than anything else that was kind of like where I was at motion. I was just like, man, like, mm -hmm. like I'm kind of salty about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try to. Not, and, and it's funny because I never even talked about it for the longest time. I never told people that part of yeah. the story because, like, I was still dealing with, like, the whole, like, like, I'm not going to say somebody broke up with me. Yeah. I'd be the one to break up with you. Yeah, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I didn't even want to, like, yeah, I, I, I always kept that part out. So, oh, okay. So. <laughs> so then, so your father passes away. So what is what does that do so, to you? Oh, my gosh. So he, um, so one morning, mm -hmm. so uh, one morning, uh, my mom yelled. So Prior to that, he had had an aneurysm behind his knee. Okay. So he was in bed and stuff. He was sick. He had this massive growth behind mm -hmm. his knee. Um, and so my mom yells one day. She's like, hey, Jesse, like, come up, come up, come up, like, quick. Like, Where are your siblings? Sorry? Where are your siblings? So my sister was at school. I was 18 years old, and I was just in the transition of going to either college. I was uh -huh. still kind of figuring out, but I was at home. I was living at home. Yeah. My older siblings, they're married. They have their kids. They're not there. So it was okay. pretty much my mom my dad and I living like we were in the house at the time because my younger sister was at school mm -hmm. and so she starts freaking out and mm -hmm. she's like yelling for me to come upstairs mm -hmm. like she's like come down like she, I can hear I'm like oh this is not good yeah and I'm like I'm aware that he's sick I'm like what happened maybe something happened mm -hmm. I go there and it was like a murder scene so it was that growth behind his leg yeah explodes and so I find anything I can yeah. to kind of stop the bleeding, but he's losing. He lost 80% of his blood in his... And you saw that. And I'm watching him. And so so my dad is mm -hmm. like literally on the bed. And at one point while he's losing oxygen, I'm trying to like, I'm securing his knee yeah. and his leg from bleeding. Mm -hmm. He kind of like raises up. He looks up at me dead in my eyes. Uh -huh. And I'm looking at him while I'm doing that. Yeah. And I have to keep it, like, I can't, like, I have to be strong for my, because my mom's freaking out. She's yeah. running, she's calling hands, she's going nuts, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so, but then he looks at me, and so he goes back down. And so the ambulance comes in. At the time, they try to revive him. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing them, like, they're reviving him. They're trying to do something mm -hmm. to get him back to life. Um, by then, he's in the ambulance. They're still trying to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and then he gets to the hospital. That's where he passed away. He lost 80% of his blood that time and so mm -hmm. if I can t tell you about the any person like and so that's why I always credit it to I'm happy that I've taken those two years to spend time with mm -hmm. because it gave me a way on how to feel and how to think I'm not saying that I didn't feel yeah because you gotta go through whoever's mm -hmm. watching grief. you go through mm -hmm. yeah you gotta agree because it's unhealthy to not mm -hmm. and um, but at the moment I'm, I was trying to be strong for my mom I was yeah. trying to be strong for people but um, it gave me a way on how to actually deal with the trauma mm -hmm. of what had happened. And so none of my siblings had seen that yeah. him pass away. They knew he passed away. Mm -hmm. But like the actual trauma that came from, I'm talking about the jogging pants I had, yeah. had 
some of his blood on it and blood on the walls and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was intense. It was an intense situation. And what does that do to you mentally? Yeah, like I'm surprised that I didn't that didn't actually push me over that ledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did. Like I think one of the things that so already as it is, I was in this space of like. I knew when I was 18, I knew that God was going to call me to full-time ministry yeah. to some capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence why a lot of my hunger towards reading the Bible was taking place in the study. I knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I saw that, the only way I can actually process what was going on was that like, I actually thought mm-hmm. for the longest time, I was like, no, there's no way he's going to come back to life in the hospital room. So it yeah. took, I was the last one to actually process that he had passed away. Mm-hmm. And so um, it took me five years to actually accept mm-hmm. that he had passed away because I had to be so much of a strong pillar for my family. Mm-hmm. And so five years later is when I actually started to grieve that he had passed away. And so during those five years, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really, like, I didn't have a mental breakdown. I didn't really feel the way I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going off of a lot of, if you want to call it maybe adrenaline, mm-hmm. just going off of um, what had happened, you mm-hmm. know, in my experience as a 16 year old. Mm-hmm. But um, it also helped me. But then when I went through that time, five years later, I mm-hmm. was able to actually process and and kind of like replay some certain moments and kind of like get healing through that. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I, I find typically when, and I can probably say the same for myself, when when people decide to either like ignore their pain, they find a way to anesthetize it. Like the same way, you know, an emergency, a doctor will, you know, use anesthesia or painkiller. So I'm wondering during that five years, are you finding ways to anesthetize it? Like, is it school you're focusing on? Is there, are you like single-mindedly focused on one thing during that five years? I was pretty folk. I was pretty focused on God's calling me to build a church. Okay. And that's where I was focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I spent a lot of my, I spent a lot of those years just studying the Bible and studying. Um, now, here's the thing mm-hmm. is I, it's not that I was avoiding dealing with the trauma, mm-hmm. but um, I just knew that I knew that I had to be the voice. I felt like this responsibility to be a voice of reason and just a voice of comfort to the rest of my family. Okay. Because my sister at the time was grade eight. She was 13. Jeez. And my mom was going through an intense mental breakdown, Mm -hmm. which actually resulted in her moving with my sister Mm -hmm. to Australia and living with her sister. And so for uh, at least a year, within those five years, a year and a half, Mm -hmm. I was actually homeless. Really? Yeah. And so at the time, I wasn't really processing what was going on. Like I never really Mm -hmm. was comparing my situation to someone else's. Like I don't know what it was, but like it never hit me that like, oh man, like your situation's kind of tragic. Yeah, yeah. Like it never dawned on me. I think maybe if you want to call it, like I was very just... Um, head in the clouds, mm-hmm. focused in on how is this going to translate to um, where you're leading me, God? Mm-hmm. Right? Like I was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't even know why mm-hmm. that's how I was thinking. Yeah. But that's kind of like where I was at mentally with all of it. So you're saying, sorry. So you're saying, is it right after your mom and your sister moved to Australia? And then you're not, are you not living anywhere? Or are you just, so like, I was living with my buddy, close family friends. I was living with him. And so I spent some time with him. And then from there I went to another friend's house and I lived there, but mm. I had my clothes and garbage bags for quite some time. And so my mom had offered, she said, Hey, come yeah. with us to Australia. Mm-hmm. And I said, I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I'm going to stay here because I feel like maybe I should stay here. And they sold the place. So my mom sold the house, uh-huh. um, the church that was run by both my parents. They closed that church down. Mm. Um, and so she moved with my younger sister to Australia, lived there mm-hmm. for some time. And then like, how was that conversation? Cause you said you're living at your buddy's place. Like, how was that conversation? Is it, Hey, can I crash at yours or no, no, they were like close family friends oh, okay. and stuff. So it was like, for them, they were so hospitable. They're like, Hey, Oh yeah, you're not, you're living with us. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what they said. Yeah. And we're like, I was like, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. And so, um, he was kind of like, he was one of those guys that like, is kind of like a friend, but he's more like a brother. Cause I'd known him ever since he was like. We were in grade six, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I lived there for some time. And so even while I'm there, I'm, you know, he's, I'm still trying to, I, 
spending time reading the Bible, mm-hmm. spending time praying, spending time getting a hold of just certain, you know, mm-hmm. um, resources and reading material. And um, he was um, headed to York University, mm-hmm. headed to college, and I wasn't doing that. Yeah, you have no plans. I had, I didn't know where this was going to go. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know where this was going to go. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had no plans, but I knew sooner or later, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to like mm-hmm. do something. Yeah. And so maybe that was my way of grieving through all that was going on. And so they were very um, gracious. They gave me space. They Mm -hmm. gave me that space to grow. They gave me that space to grow. They gave me that space to kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. mature in that sense. Jeez. Wow. So then, so when does your, when does your wife come into the picture? Oh, so she comes, she comes 2009, 2010. Uh Uh-huh. So two years after uh, my dad had passed away. Oh, so two years after that's when you meet her. Two years after. Okay. And so at this point, um, so I joined a church mm-hmm. that the pastor of that church was good friends with my dad, and so I mm-hmm. felt that he used to join his church. Mm-hmm. And so um, I joined the church, and uh, instantly they the way they treated me was like as if I was like a I was in my late twenties when. I was in my early 20s. Yeah. And so they gave me responsibilities over, like, lead the youth. Mm-hmm. Because there's something that you, you write, like, in terms of, like, what you're going through. And, mm-hmm. like, and so I would always hear that. It's like, man, like, how are you going through this? I'm like, yeah. I would have no way to explain it. But yeah. I'm like, so they put me in that position of leadership. And mm-hmm. so, um, so Camilla was actually, so close family friends mm-hmm. of ours would come to that church. Okay. And so... The girl said, I'm going to invite my friend mm-hmm. over to the youth group. So we had this big bowling event. Yeah. We had like over 60, 50 something uh, people I'd never met met before. They came out to this bowling event. Yeah. And so Camilla actually came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was invited by my close family friend who was attending the church at the time. Mm-hmm. And so we ran across it. I was like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. I didn't really. Because I was full, I was like, I'm leading. Yeah. Like, I'm not even thinking. I In my mind, I was like. If I get married, I'm probably gonna get married. It's probably in my late twenties, thirties. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's just not where my focus was at. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, but she says that she told her friend that uh-huh. that's my husband. <coughs> that's the same she, day. Yeah, she's like she she she, she didn't tell the same yeah. day. Yeah. But she felt that she knew that like that that was the guy that mm-hmm. brought you know that she was gonna get married to me. Uh huh. And then she had conversations with her friend, and she she's like, hey, like. You know, she, she, yeah. Yeah. So how does, de- to, how does that how does that develop? <laughs> so then, long story short, so yeah. one day our our friends are like, "Hey, we're gonna have a we're gonna jam out because we would do that all the time. We'd have jam out in my buddy's basement. Uh-huh. Someone would be on a guitar, drums, um, and so I would uh, like sing songs, like I kind of like worship. Yeah, I've seen you. And so um, they're like, "Oh, Camilla's coming too," uh-huh. and I was like, "Oh, cool." And like in my mind, like, I, didn't, I don't somebody. know much about like yeah. Camilla. I don't know that if she's a Christian. I didn't know mm-hmm. that. I was like, oh, that's cool. They're like, oh yeah, she sings. And so, um, so I do this one song. It's a uh-huh. song by Hillsong called "With Everything." Mm-hmm. And so, so it just happened that they were like, "Hey, you guys should do a duet to that." <laughs> that's a setup, bro. I I'm, a, I'm not folk. I'm like, oh, whatever, sure. Yeah. Because yeah. in my mind, I'm like. I would be shocked that she even knows this song because in my mind, I'm not yeah. thinking that she's even in part of this, like, the space, right? Yeah. This Christian space, right? Um, and so we start doing this duet together. We start singing this song. I'm like, man, this girl's good. Mm-hmm. But then I'm singing this song and I'm like, this feels like, this feels, this is pretty interesting. Yeah. Like, it was like, it was, oh man, this was cheesy Disney. Movie, <laughs> like, right? Like, it was yeah. like, it was interesting, and I'm like, and then so we start talking after that, and I'm like, yo, she's like, she's a pretty cool girl, mm-hmm. and so we start talking after after that, like we start talking, and it was like, it was almost like we just developed a friendship. And you're still at your um, close friend's place at this point in time. No, at this time I am now renting at a place. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's okay. a lot of stuff. That yeah, okay. Uh-huh. But I'm renting at a place, and so I'm at my buddy's buddy's basement. Mm-hmm. That's where we jam out, and I'm at. My uh, my dad's friend's church. Okay. And I'm leading the youth there. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, so we just develop a relationship, mm-hmm. and um, we start talking. And um, I was like, man, like she's very like, like down to earth and stuff. And so, um, and then we started dating. Jeez. Yeah, we started we started dating and stuff. And 
So we talked about, like, I told her everything that I told you about my life. Yeah. She told me everything about... Now, I will say something, which is also interesting, that Camilla's from Chile. Yeah. And so her parents had also gone through... Um, oh, right, the Civil War, yeah, the dictatorship, Pinochet. yeah. And so mm-hmm. it was like, between the three of us, it's like three wars. It's like, whoa, like... Um, That's so what we're we, bonding over. Yo, yeah, so we talked You about got a dictator, that. I got a dictator. Hey, marriage! <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Bringing uh, refugees together. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So that happens. No. Mm -hmm. um, So yeah, we. You know what though? One of the things that took like really was an eye opener for me because I was like, even when we started developing this relationship, I was like, God, like this is the woman like you have for me. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was because I told her I was like, Hey, so listen, Mm -hmm. I've lost a lot of friends over Mm -hmm. this Christian thing. Um, and so this is what I actually see myself doing for the mm-hmm. rest of my life. I'm going to go into full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to lead a church, but I'm going to go into full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. And that's a, not everyone can sign up for that lifestyle. Yeah. But um, even if you're a Christian person, you, you, know, you just don't expect people to sign up for that lifestyle. And so I mm-hmm. let her know. I was like, hey, this is where I'm at. And then her response was like, that's awesome. That's actually where. And I was yeah. like, Wait, what? Uh-huh. Like you're not shutting that down. Yeah. Because probably, Had it been like, shut down before? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so, um, who I will not name. Yeah, yeah, of course. There of was course. an individual uh-huh. that we weren't dating, but there was an individual where I had at the church at the time, mm-hmm. the youth, the time, because I was a youth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, where I had considered mm-hmm. we, that we were, you know, we were like, oh, I was like, oh, maybe she's the one for me, mm-hmm. thing, right? And then, and I mentioned that, and they were like, no. And she was like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, like, yeah. That's that's. My, yeah, she's like, I'm, she just shut it down. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, that's my answer right there. Yeah. Um, and, but Camilla was like, no, like, that's actually kind of along the lines of like where I feel I'm headed. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was just, it was a lot of stuff that came natural. Yeah. Camilla was the first person I never had to put on Mm -hmm. before. And, um, and she'll say the same thing about me as well. Mm -hmm. She never had to put on, like, just, I was just myself. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I met her family. Her family was nice. And her family was really generous. They took me in. Mm-hmm. I was like 20 years old at the time. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like it, it's, 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 it's been quite the, the journey. But mm-hmm. um, definitely a, it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, well, God, you put us together. Yeah. I knew I was not going to get married as young as we did get married. Mm-hmm. I was 23 at the time when I did get married. Yeah. She was 21. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... The rest is history, man. We got a kid, mm-hmm. and we got another one coming on the way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so then, um, so I'm wondering because you know, and I think that's a good topic to talk about, like relationships, because that's yeah. something that there's a lot of muddy water around. Like, people aren't sure because either they don't have good examples at home, yeah. and you know, if I can't find the model where I am, I have yeah. to look for it elsewhere, and that totally. might be on social media, that be on, might be on TV, it might be wherever. Because yeah. I'm desperate, I'm trying to find something that I can copy, yeah. and if I don't find something, then inevitably maybe I might just copy my parents and that mm. may or may not be what I want but I don't even know what I want so yeah. I'm wondering is that something you wrestled with is that something you struggled with like in the relationship space I did because mm-hmm. like I um like the the biggest challenge is the biggest challenge for me so why it was important so when I went through that break breakup with that girlfriend yeah that girl that I was dating it was, I hated it, but it was also good for me because it mm-hmm. gave me some time to actually be okay with me mm-hmm. and to know who I was, like what, figure out my identity yeah. before I can now bring someone else into it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so prior to like when I was in high school, I was dating someone. I didn't know who I was. That's why. So you even asking that question. Yeah. Did you see a future? No, I didn't because mm-hmm. I wasn't really, I didn't know where I was headed. Yeah. I didn't know my, I didn't know what my identity was. And so, um, now when I'm dating Camilla, mm-hmm. it's completely different or, I'm able to ask questions centered on this is who I am. This is my identity. I'm secure in my identity. Mm-hmm. I don't have to prove anything. And so I think the biggest thing is um, when you have to rush into a relationship, mm-hmm. you make a lot of bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I think sometimes a lot of people, they're so zealous to mm-hmm. be with someone. Yeah. But really, if you go down deep down into where they're coming from, is that they're just really afraid to be alone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people get into relationships or get into certain interactions, not based off of the other person, mm-hmm. but it's just based off of their own fears. Yeah. They just don't want to be alone 
or they may be of the perception or there's a bunch of stuff that gets lumped in with that or maybe they feel like well where i'm at in my life mm-hmm. this needs to happen and so they just try to insert fill in the the the, the, mm-hmm. uh, the gaps right kind of like so, a script yeah mm-hmm. right and so like you lump in relationships no different than well this is where i should be in my career mm-hmm. well this is where i should be you know the, so it's like it, it, i feel like at times especially in our culture where we're moving in that kind of a way mm-hmm. where it's like, well, check mark the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And mm-hmm. so um, at the same time, you got to be the right person to find the right person. That's important. Mm-hmm. Right? Because yeah. everyone's focusing on finding the right person, but they're yeah. not even practicing being the right person. Mm-hmm. And so um, whatever you actually end up attracting, what you What you are, are not what you want. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so um, you're going to have plenty of options, mm-hmm. I'm sure, when you are focused on, you know, who you are, who mm-hmm. you're called to be. Um, you're gonna have many of different like different options. People are gonna people are genuine honestly, mm-hmm. people are usually attracted to that. Yeah. Right? Like when you're secure in your and I'm not saying you don't go through bad days or insecure. Yeah. I'm not saying you don't go through that. But like to be able to have um, you know, proper headspace, mm-hmm. proper direction as to where you're going. Or to have a want. bad day and not let it knock you down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And so most people would are are genuinely just they gravitate to that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think a lot of that has a lot. Yeah, I think that has to do with like in terms of like just yeah, just I think we have to. I think in our culture we we gotta focus more on just you know mm-hmm. figuring out who we are before we lump someone else into this life that we haven't even figured out yet. Uh, and now there's a lot of confusion, hurt, pain, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of stuff that comes with it, right? Mm-hmm. And even when you when you talk about you know figuring out who you are and um, you know spending time by yourself, does does being alone equal isolation to you? Is that essentially what it looks like? Is it me isolating myself? Because it can I mean, because mm-hmm, I see. Okay, now I'll give you an example. Because I'll see now, and this is maybe this is something you've seen too, where it's like I just cut everything cold turkey. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I know I need to be alone. But like being alone is only part of it. Yeah. What is the other part of it? So um, you need moments where you're alone, mm-hmm. so that you can actually reflect. You can refine you can redefine mm-hmm. right um but then the next part of it is actually you got to get out there mm-hmm. you got to get out there and you have to take whatever you've received in moments of you know your i guess your your aloneness mm-hmm. <laughs> um you need to be able to put some stuff into practice okay but there's there's see when you first of all i think isolation could be a good thing it can be a bad thing mm-hmm. um and so if you're isolating from something, mm-hmm. um, I think that can be a bad thing because you're escaping. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're isolating to something, mm-hmm. that's a completely different headspace. Mm-hmm. What are you isolating to? Mm-hmm. Right. So even for me, like in my moments of, if you want to call it isolation, mm-hmm. it wasn't out. It was not that I was running away from something, but I was running to something. Mm-hmm. I was running to more time spent in the Bible, more time spent with God, understand, like I was running to, so I was investing, I was already throwing and mm-hmm. investing my life into this. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, to them, it seemed like I was isolated. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was like, no, I'm investing, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so um, I think every person needs to kind of go through that, mm-hmm. where they're able to kind of figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm always going to look at it through the filter of your identity in Christ. Yeah. Right, um, and that's just that's just how I understand the world. That's just how I, I, I see the lens that I see it through. But mm-hmm. you do need those moments. You need those moments where you're able to kind of dedicate strictly towards, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out, asking yourself the tough questions before mm-hmm. you venture out. <laughs> can, can can you highlight on company because you had said at the beginning that you had to you know remove yourself out of the company of people and you know yeah. it talks about you know bad company corrupts good morals. Can you yeah. kind of talk a little bit about that and just how because I think I feel like that's an underrated portion of whether it be isolation or aloneness. Because it's like I want to keep, like you said, I want to keep this, but I also want to be this. And yeah. at some point in time, you're gonna find that the person you want to be and the person you are are going to disagree on certain things. Absolutely. And you're most likely gonna to revert to the person you are rather than the person that you want to be. Because that's what I know, and I know if I do this, yeah. it'll produce this. If I do, if I do the things that I think may get me to where I want to be. I might not get the results I want instantly. Right. So then right. what 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 does that really look like as far as like whether it be like bad company, good company, or how are you even able to tell the difference for somebody yeah. who's not? The the t- well, first and foremost is like 
there's a lot of people that will give you like there's a lot of people that bring a good time mm-hmm. right and so a good time is obviously a good time yeah but a good time expires because a good mm-hmm. time sometimes hangs on what is convenient in the moment mm-hmm. so there are certain people come in your life mm-hmm. right that will give you that bring a good time mm-hmm. but there's a purpose that they're trying to fulfill there's a purpose that you're trying to fulfill and mm-hmm. you guys just get gravitated to each other yeah right because of common maybe common uh it's just convenient for yeah. the moment and then there are people where they don't just bring a good time where i'd hope they bring a good time yeah. but there are some people where you, it's almost like you have to like you know that saying that says that like show me your friends and i'll show you your future mm-hmm. right is you have to almost plan for who do i want to be five years from now mm-hmm. and what are the steps that i'm actually willing to take what am i willing to actually give up mm-hmm. what am i what are the sacrifices i'm willing to make to be that person so it's almost like it's not like i'm getting there but like one of the things for me is um i was 18 years old at the time mm-hmm. and and i knew that god was calling me to full-time ministry to become a pastor mm-hmm. but it wasn't so where i had to come to was just don't think like someone who's going to be a pastor mm-hmm. think like someone who is mm-hmm. and so in that moment i kid you not mm-hmm. i used to do some of the most cheesiest tackiest things i would line up stuffed animals uh-huh. and i would preach to them and i would and is I that 18 yeah jeez 16 18 i'm like i needed an audience yeah and i didn't have the audience so i was like well these stuffed animals yeah that's an audience right there and yeah. so i would literally see and i would vision visualize myself mm-hmm. in the position of either a preacher or a pastor mm-hmm. doing the very thing that god called me to do mm-hmm. it looks silly on the outside it looks silly like if you were to watch me do it because yeah. i'm standing up I'm there envisioning and, I'm, it right now. And, I'm, and i'm just going at it and i'm walking back and forth and but I needed to see it. Mm-hmm. 